Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. When we started our work in Nepal, I really drove that home and how we can make sure that bringing the latest technology in the world to this sector that often doesn't think about technology or doesn't see the potential in it and how to bring it into there and so that they would not be left behind again whenever technology changes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the vice president of cloud and security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. LinkedIn presents... To the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. My name is Angie Carrillo, and I'm your guest host for this episode. With me today is Sonica Manandar and Tiffany Tan from Alloy. And I'm so excited to have both of the founders here to be the guest of Women in Tech. So thank you so much for being here. I really want to showcase both of you because I love how you, you came together and we've seen these startups going from the inception to what it is now, right? So I wanted you to tell us, all of us, a little bit about the story of Alloy and how you guys met and how it came together. Well, Sonica and I met actually when we met you, Angie. So we were all at Singularity University in 2017. Uh, we were at this program called the Global Solutions Program, and it was... Uh, Four months, really intense in Silicon Valley, and uh, we we met amongst this group of amazing people that were 90 different people from all around the world, uh, working in all types of sectors, and not just in tech, but in development and in, in arts and everything, right? Uh, so we met in this crazy, crazy place, <laughs> um, and then we started talking about what tech could really be used for. And I come from a development background, so uh, working mostly in different countries in Africa for about 10 years at that point and uh, really trying to understand what tech could be used for. And Sonica came to my rescue and started uh, explaining, uh, you know, all the ideas and really, really just like talking until three in the morning at night, figuring out what we could do. Yes. So something that really caught my attention is that 
you both merge forces with your development background and with the tech background that Sonia had in order to create something completely new. Um, and something that it was very different from all the other groups that we had um, uh, that started uh, at the same time is that some of them didn't stay through all of these years, so they change a lot. But what I wanted to showcase is that, you know, like both of you working together have managed to like being working for over five years, right? And uh, change completely from what it started, of course, the 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 solution to what Aloy is right now. But I, I wanted both of you to tell me a little bit more what let you become interested in tech. So let's go with Sonica because Sonica has a tech background. But then I want to hear from Tiffany that, you know, she was just coming from a non-techie background to this very tech-driven uh, think tank that we did for our a couple of months and then meeting Sonica and how that, you know, like how that led to create what Aloy is. My uh, interest in tech uh, started when I wanted to become an astronaut and it felt like, okay, you know, engineering, something in tech would definitely make me that. So that's how I ended up uh, in this program as well, because it was in NASA Ames, right? So I was like, oh, I'm a little bit, you know, uh, <laughs> near to uh, what my dream was. Um, uh, and when I applied for uh, GSP, my idea was, okay, let's use some satellite imagery and radar to, um, to uh, you know, measure the soil's health. And when I met Tiffany there, it felt like, okay, you know, we, we don't need, we probably don't need satellite to do that. Right. And then, then our Terra soil started. We, we kept talking even after the program and, and uh, finally we came about forming Alloy, which we are still running very strongly, I believe. Um, and something that excites me about Alloy is being able to join forces of finance and my tech background to to really help the last mile, the grassroots, right? Um, to give access to finance using the technology, using the expertise that I've studied for so long and then um, had career for so long. It just uh, is quite exciting to see things happening and not just coding some bullshit so software, you know, in the background in some offices, right? So I see things happening. So that's quite interesting. And I'm very satisfied doing what I'm doing right now. Yes. And I wanted to hear from Tiffany also, like, what led you to become interested in tech? Was it also having um, the support of Sonica that you say like, oh, let's add more of these technologies in order to make accessible Right, like this microfinance for for the last mile, as as Sonica was saying, or or what was the thing that led you to become interested in tech startups at the beginning? Yeah, for me it was complete one eighty. <laughs> I come from a complete non tech background. I mean, I did. I mean, I studied data and economics, so I mean, I guess I have a little bit of that um, in terms of STEM, but um, in terms of you know, Silicon Valley style tech or exponential technologies, I really had no background at all. I really come from a background of working with very grassroots communities, working and, um, you know, making 
things work on paper, even <laughs> if nothing else, right? So, uh, and places where there's no internet connectivity, where people very rarely had access to any kind of smartphone. To be really honest, the first time I realized how much tech could potentially help with the problems that I worked with on it every day um, was at this program. I really quickly realized that I needed <laughs> someone that could um, bring that tech side and really uh, show uh, the potential of where that can go and also how do we really and have that heart to really combine that with the problems um, at a grassroots level uh, and helping micro-entrepreneurs, helping women, helping marginalized populations. So yeah, so I was very lucky to meet Sonica that had both the tech side and the and the heart to do it. I, I think it's a perfect blend, right? Uh, you know, if two tech person comes together, then I don't think we can <laughs> make anything because it's usually just flowchart. Okay, put that in and then the output. But I think having that uh, that uh, side of Tiffany uh, at Alloy is very valuable. And just to add, she keeps saying she's not from the tech background, but she's a data geek. So that's tech for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can code data, but <laughs> it's really it's really different. It's traditional statistics. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> What I like is that what you're saying, right, Sonica, you're saying like it, it's the perfect blend because sometimes when you merge tech founders with tech founders, you get, you know, a little bit lost in um, not how to apply this, right? Like, And I think this is this is a good example of alloy. Like, So I wanted you to, to tell everybody, like, what is exactly Allo doing over there? You know, for the people that are not, you know, like in, in Nepal that are um, more familiar with your, with your work over there. Like, I want you to just tell them everywhere. Like, what are you doing? Let's go a little bit deeper into, into the real uh, problems that you guys are solving right now. Yeah, what drives us every day is trying to bring more accessible finance to grassroots micro-entrepreneurs. So there are a lot of people, um, estimated 2 billion people in the world that don't have access to any sort of financial services. And a lot of them are micro-entrepreneurs. They provide the last mile businesses, the last mile services to their communities, but they find it really hard to grow these businesses because they don't have a credit history or they don't have any assets that they can use as collateral um, for a loan. So they might have to grow their businesses very slowly or um, they uh, you know, get very affected by the economic conditions and fluctuations. So what we really try to do is help them access this financing um, without the credit history and without collateral. And how we do that is uh, we have built a software that's a dedicated lending platform through verified vendors. And what that means is that lenders, uh, traditional lenders mostly, so financial institutions can use our software to digitally lend to these micro-entrepreneurs. And these loans are digitally tracked. So the micro-entrepreneurs uh, can buy from vendors that are related to their field. So for example, if they... Uh, apply to get a, a e-vehicle loan, which is one sector we work in. Another sector we work in is in agriculture. So if they apply to get an e-vehicle loan, then the loan can only be used uh, within the ecosystem of e-vehicle vendors. So in a way, it creates an automatic audit, um, helping to track these loans and grow the trust that these 
uh, informal sector micro entrepreneurs that have no history, um, no track record, and no way to audit their businesses are able to prove to the financial institutions that they are trustworthy and that they will grow their business. Alloy actually started in Silicon Valley, where it's a very different place of how to access credit and access capital than the rest of the world. So when you and and Sonica, you are from Nepal, right? Like originally. So when Sonica came back, right, like uh, and saw like this, um, both of you knew th that there were these opportunities back, uh, back where you were from, right? Like I want to to connect the dots on what let you, you know, like from starting, you know, like a Silicon Valley company but actually helping other people like micro entrepreneurs uh, growing their small businesses much faster in this in these two areas, right? Like that also related to um, helping with climate change and, and helping these entrepreneurs to adopt new technology like the e-vehicles, right? Like I want you both to tell us a little bit of the history of Tiffany, you moving to Nepal, you you changing, right? Like uh, locations. You both met in California, in Silicon Valley, in a very techy space that we all met. But then what happened, right? Like Sonica came back to Nepal. You guys decided to, to move over there, saw a niche, saw an opportunity. I want you to, to tell us a little bit of the story behind Because for me, it's really interesting that Sonica wanted to do a space, right? Like she wanted to do really high tech uh, problems, but now uh, realized that she could also have a, a big impact by doing, by helping this, uh, the grassroots entrepreneurs to adopt technology like these e-vehicles right there right like uh, right there where she was born and 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 tiffany saw that opportunity as well and moved there like i, I just want to know a little bit more of that history because for me it's so interesting because it requires a lot of grit and a lot of like 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 a mission driven um an action an impact that both of you took and for me that's really interesting Because I imagine that you guys faced a lot of challenges while moving um, and while being so far away from Silicon Valley, which was the, the initial place where everything took off. But I, I, I want I you to share a little bit more about how was that going back, talking to the entrepreneurs, which are a very different kind of entrepreneurs, right? Like it's not like the typical tech entrepreneur that is going to think that it's going to raise money in Silicon Valley. Like these are like small business owners that are used to uh, only growing with the capital that they have saved, right? It's, it's very different when you see that um, how businesses are done across the world, in the real world, right? Like in, in this small, yeah, like cities and stuff. Like, but but that's what I want you to share with the world. Because I, like people that are like hear us are all over the world, but we all think that the only way to do business is like kind of like the Silicon Valley, big race money kind of way. But you guys are with 
are working daily with small business owners that, you know, like would never have thought, you know, of using technology or going green if it wasn't because of these new options that you guys are presenting them to, to them. In the program we all, all three met, uh, there was this statement called uh, help billion people and you have the billion dollar company, right? Uh, to me, at least, I mean, Tiffany will share uh, from her perspective, but to me, it felt like I can start uh, helping some of those billion, some of those billion people from the place uh, that I know better of. I mean, I, I don't know how Silicon Valley is, right? I mean, I just spent four months there. I mean, I saw a few things, but then, uh, one thing that really helped me and Tiffany uh, connect was we wanted to help the very grassroots, right? Um, and it felt like I can do it better from Nepal. Uh, I mean, both of us, we, we went back to our old jobs uh, after we met uh, in the Silicon Valley. Um, and for, for a year, we were just brainstorming about, you know, uh, if we want to pivot from what we started in the valley and we, we kept brainstorming i think i was ready to uh i was thinking of quitting my job of course i wanted to uh, do something of my own and tiffany was also uh transitioning so i think that was uh, a trigger for both of us it felt like okay um we can try to think about something and um one of the reason uh, I'm mostly interested in uh, micro entrepreneurship and uh, especially the public transportation is uh, because of my family's background. My father was a micro entrepreneur and I've seen things here, right? I mean, what, how, what's the transition of, uh, what's the transition and challenges and opportunity that lies in micro entrepreneurship? So it felt like uh, whatever I've seen in my family's background and whatever I've learned from Silicon Valley in the program and um, my my tech career, it felt like this is where uh, we'll be able to do the real thing. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, with with the real uh, solve the real problems. So that's uh, that's uh, from my perspective. It all started. I think Tiffany can add from her perspective. Yeah, I think definitely that was part of the attraction was Sonica's deep connection to Nepal and deep connection to that specific sector, right, where we started. And and being able to work with that very concretely was, was very attractive. In terms personally, um, I think why we bonded over micro entrepreneurship is because of my family's background also. I always like to say I'm the third generation in my family, also third generation of migrants and third generation of micro-entrepreneurship, essentially. Uh, my grandmother um, was a micro-entrepreneur. She migrated uh, to a, a completely new place and started her life over. And my parents did the same. Um, and then I also <laughs> did the same. So um, very much uh, embedded in the culture of my family to... Um, kind of this concept of starting over and starting um, without much formal institutions that are able to help, essentially. So um, having a feeling of that and combining that and seeing the pro same problems again and again in my work and development and also in when we started our work in Nepal, like really drove that home and how we can make sure that bringing the latest technology in the world to the sector that often doesn't think about technology or doesn't see the potential in it and how to bring it into there and so that they 
would not be left behind again whenever technology changes. That's great. And and you guys picked two sectors, right? Like the e-vehicles, loans and agriculture. Like so you're working with these grassroots uh, entrepreneurs in these two sectors. Is is there any other sectors that you guys are thinking to also move or you want to be known as the you know like micro um micro loans for these specific sectors in in Nepal. We started in these two sectors because we want it's informal sectors, one in urban areas and one in rural areas. And we wanted to see kind of the spectrum of it and to see uh, the commonalities and, and what the technology can help with. Increasingly, we're uh, focusing on green lending. So making sure that we're uh, looking at different aspects of green lending and whether that's combining renewable energy with agriculture, like solar water pumps, you know, um, or uh, new types of ways to, to process uh, agriculture materials or using electric vehicles to transport agriculture goods. All of these things we're, we're exploring. And even new ways to build like, more eco-friendly housing, for example, is uh, something we can look at. So um, we see this huge potential in terms of uh, the climate and uh, environment focus going forward in terms of financing and the huge problem of how to make sure that kind of financing can actually get to grassroots level, right? Right now, there's a lot of interest and a lot of money on a very high, like, kind of international level. But I think very few people have solved the problem or is actually working at the problem of how to really channel that money all the way down to the actual people doing work at the last mile. And we believe our technology is able to do that and track it um, all the way. Yes. And it's so interesting that you, you mentioned that with your technology, it will be able to track. So these entrepreneurs, they don't have a credit history, right? Like, But with your technology, they're able to, to have um, some way of tracking if they will be, you know, like good eligible for this specific sectors. Could, could you, Tiffany, could you tell us a little bit more or, or Sonica, could you tell us a little bit more about the technology? Like, are you guys implementing a new algorithm or, I mean, um, how are you guys using uh, the technology in order to have a, a source of credit, build a, a sort of like credit without a financial a, a history um, for this entrepreneur? Yeah, essentially, our key insight was that, I mean, in formal businesses that have audits, they have ways to prove that they're spending their company's money well, and that they can um, have a financial history and, and, and show to the lenders that that's what they're doing, right, um, if they are given a loan. But in the informal sector, you have no way of showing that. So essentially, what happens is that informal lenders who work with informal sector entrepreneurs just um, assume these loans can be used for anything. So um, they're, they're treated almost like a personal loan. So a business loan and a personal loan basically have the same interest rates. They're treated as the same product. Um, there's no differentiation. And so that was our key insight. And so what we do with our technology is provide a way um, for the entrepreneur to differentiate uh, between their business spending and their personal spending um, and being able to to say that really I'm serious about using this loan and investing in my business 100%. 
Um, and, and this is my record to show for it. So what the technology basically does is we're able to build um, different uh, tailored vendor ecosystems. So, for example, even within agriculture, a livestock loan can only be used at livestock vendors. So we build these specific livestock vendor ecosystems where livestock loans can be used. Um, and therefore, we're able to track it. And we can build unlimited numbers of these, right? So if you want to just um, incentivize specific organic inputs only for 10,000 farmers, we're able to build that ecosystem of organic, you know, uh, agriculture input vendors only, and then fund the 10,000 farmers and able to track every single one of their loans. Um, so this is uh, what we're we're using the technology for, is building this trust and track record so that going forward, they can have that uh, credit history and be able to increasingly move up uh, what we call like the pipeline of form formality of the, the financial institutions. I think um, in um, yesterday, uh, there was a panel where there was a bank talking about all we care is, you know, repayment. <laughs> you know, we have finance, we want to give money, but then we, we cannot trust um, trust them that, they will be spending it for whatever they are uh, saying they will spend it on. And then if if they do that, then there is like return on that investment, right? And then they'll be able to repay. So I think the, the linkage between how the fund is being utilized, be it, you know, the investment from uh, the formal uh, financial institution or any development organization, right? I mean, monitoring takes years because it it's, so manual and it's it's very hard to tra track and one of the strength of our technology is we do it real time so the the whoever is giving fund they can know where the money is going right now right there and then so that's um, that's the strength of our technology yeah that, so that's very very interesting it's like you can track where the money is, is being spent right like if someone is asking for a loan let's say to purchase a new e-vehicle right you can actually track that this is going for the payments of that e-vehicle instead of i don't know like marketing or 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 some other area that could be related to the business right but um might not um bring an asset you know like with this new capital injection that this entrepreneur will have that is that is so interesting and and a lack of financial literacy right like and financial education has also a lot to do with um the the lack of uh credit history and the lack of um access to these formal bank uh, loaners right um so 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 some reflections right like what what have been the challenges that you know, like you faced as a company dealing with this um, this specific industry, right? Like, and what have been some? We've talked a little bit about your personal challenges, and 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 Tiffany like mentioned, you know, like that she comes from a family of immigrants, right? Like, but I, I think that that is interesting also because I I read somewhere that it takes three generations in order to you know, like go up the poverty level. Like if um, your great grandmother, right, like was born um, into poverty, sometimes it takes well, like some generations in order to make a, a change, right? Like in order to build 
uh, generational wealth, right? Like um, it might take a few generations, but um, yeah, I wanted to, to know if you guys are also, you know, like I see every day that you guys are wor working with entrepreneurs. Uh, so do you also offer, you know, financial education for, for these entrepreneurs? And what are you um, doing in order to, you know, like, yeah, like this is a really big challenge, right? Like, um, what are you doing also to to help these people build, you know, like some um, generational wealth with these new companies that they're starting, that they are, you know, like, yeah, that they kind of like become an entrepreneurs, right? Like they might be the first ones in their generations or might be, you know, like up and coming, like, like what Sonica was saying, like, Um, that his father, that you, that her father was also um, a, a micro entrepreneur, right? Like, so I, I would like to th hear your thoughts. What are some challenges that you faced, and how these challenges can help you, or reframing those challenges have helped you? Um, if you're a, so, something that I have uh, realized, uh, we have realized is. You know, being a startup in tech is usually looked upon, looked as a very uh, easy to scale kind of um, product. But uh, the sector that we have chosen or, uh, you know, specifically the micro entrepreneurs that we work with have very, very low literacy and then are, are uh, very uh, least digital, uh, digitally literate. When we built our tech, it felt like, okay, you know, we, we, we have crossed the very, very difficult, uh, we have climbed the very, very difficult mountain. But when we went to the field to actually implement that, that's where the real challenge be begin because um, we saw that our tech was not, uh, not really built for the low literacy. So we, we, we took time to really learn how to make sure that our design is actually built for our real users, right? I mean, simple things like um, not an app, maybe SMS, right? Because it feels like uh, SMS is easy than, than using the app or the internet, You uh, especially uh, in the rural parts of Nepal. It's, it's uh, even though people have a smartphone, they are usually scared of using apps or the internet. So yeah, I think uh, the first challenge was to see which platform would would uh, would best uh, suit the kind of target user uh, that we want to work with. And second was to, okay, now there's SMS, but maybe people don't even know what um, asterisk sign is, what, you know, uh, what are power buttons even, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we learned uh, in a way that, okay, we, we built, built our uh, actual product, but then we really need to um, help the micro entrepreneur in terms of, you know, financial literacy and the digital literacy so that we had to also build that kind of training material. And uh, maybe we don't 100% cover the digital literacy part, but then we, we teach them uh, at least to know how to use our system, right? So that's one step forward so that uh, in future they might be uh, um, comfortable using the apps. Um, yeah, so that... Uh, I think there's a, there are a set of challenges and there was there's there we saw the opportunity to actually shape our product uh, so that it's easier experience for our user. Yeah, and adding to that, I think 
I, I think another side of it is um, the the technology awareness from the traditional lending sector, right? So um, I read recently that in Southeast Asia, at least less than 1% of financial services are digitalized. And that means there's 99% um, room for growth, right? But most people don't realize that, right? They don't really, really don't realize that exponential growth of technology. And they don't really think about how just five years ago, smartphones were way less common than it is today and what it would look like in five to 10 years. So I think the the feeling of urgency in terms of changing and adopting tech, at least from the traditional players, is is uh, very much less not there. Um, but we see the disruption coming and we want to be there to make sure that um, even if disruption is coming, it's coming in a good way for the micro entrepreneurs that we work with and that they're not swept away or left behind. And so being a front runner means that we also have to do a lot of convincing. Yes. And I imagine being a front runner, you know, like there, there are a lot of um, fi finance companies, uh, fintech startups, of course, but I don't think there are many fintech startups focusing on what you guys are doing, right? Like that is uh, building this credit history or predicting, right? Like predicting this credit uh, score for these very specific niches. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about how has been fundraising for you, for you guys. Have been has been challenging? Have you? Uh, because I. I know that you've won many awards, right? Like as a like by National Geographic and and you've been um, awarded as, as a very, you know, like a very interesting initiative. But I'm wondering if that anyway, because you guys are pioneering in this type of sector and your specific mission of being able to help the the base of the pyramid right like if that has um you know like also been a little bit challenging in the terms of fundraising yeah definitely well i think fundraising right now is challenging for everyone so <laughs> we're definitely living through special times right now after covid and then um a global crisis right um that being said yes <laughs> We're definitely in a special field, and I think it really is a nascent field from what I can see. You know, um, I, I would say, you know, in, in probably 10 to 20 years, it would be much more developed. But at this point, um, the impact side combined with the, the grassroots focus um, combined with fintechs is really still new. And we're also, especially in a geography where not, not a lot of traditional um, fintech investors are, are familiar with. So... You know, we face quite a, uh, a trio of challenges in terms of fundraising. Um, that being said, I mean, we, we definitely have found uh, some, some investors who are interested in terms of uh, because of those impact focuses and because of the geographies that we work in and the segments that we work in. And they see that um, the bottlenecks that these micro entrepreneurs face are the same across a lot of emerging markets. Uh, being able to solve that bottom line means that we can scale and take the model um, elsewhere. So uh, we're 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 still early in our fundraising process. We just launched middle of this year, so we're predicting it'll take you know twelve months. So, but we're definitely uh, really excited to meet more people in the sector who are interested in impact, interested in fintech, interested in. Uh, um, grassroots micro-entrepreneurs and to, to have more conversations 
and, and to show that we are really uh, rapidly growing our traction this year and, and definitely next year going forward. Yeah, it, it's quite interesting because in Latin America, uh, fintech is the first sector that went up, right? Like, and in terms of, of globally, right? Like fintech in Latin America has a lot more of female co-founded startups and and also, you know, like I, I think um, it really helps uh, when a fintech startup is female led and that person has um, some sort of vision of how to help, you know, like um, and actually bring financial services to the unbanked people uh, instead of, you know, like just a, a regular fintech startup when... So, so what, I, what, what I was trying to say is that in Latin, Latin America, which is also an emerging market, right? Like that was one of the sectors that really popped. But uh, I'm not really familiar with Southeast Asia um, because uh, if you could, you know, see in India, right? Like if this could we first apply in Nepal, but then, you know, could be translated in India, which is a massive market, right? Like, I think that could be really interested in terms of um, how to scale, um, you know, the market in order to um, bring attractive investors uh, from from that area as well. Um, well, I'm digressing. I'm digressing, like, but um, I just wanted to to share that in Latin America, that was a really in, in, uh, interesting industry that actually raised a lot and. The only types of investors that were focused on one specific industry were in fintech and where impact fintech very related, you know, like because of, of the emerging market there. But um, for me, it's really interesting to talk about this. But um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully it's, it's interesting for everybody. Anyway, so I wanted to ask you some personal questions that you you both each of you have right um so in this like quick fire uh uh questions that we have we want to ask both of you who is a woman in tech that inspires you what is your favorite book or maybe la latest book because i i know that that's quite hard um to pick a favorite uh, a latest podcast and some resource for tech that you guys are currently using and cannot live without so yeah that's always a hard question for me because so many women are so inspiring uh, but i have to say one of my favorite movies is hidden figures um and and learning the story of how people you know women back then struggle through that and still do of course um so That, that is really one of my favorite stories. Um, I would say that. Uh, and then you said a book. Uh, one of my favorite all-time books is actually called Lawn People. Um, it's a really kind of obscure but really interesting uh, political ecology book about how humans are shaped by our lawns. Like we shape our lawns and then our lawns shape us. Um, not specifically tech-related, but I often think about it, about how our tech, like we try to create our tech And then just the way we create our tech also creates us and how we interact as humans. And I, I think about that a lot. I've never read the book. I really want to read it. Latest podcast or favorite podcast? 
Oh, I think one of my all-time favorites is Planet Money from NPR. Uh, really love the way they do their podcast, and I—I I mean, I have an economics background, but they just make economics comes to life. So, yeah, it's so fun. I—I I remember listening to that one. Um, it's so good. Best resource for tech, like a resource that you cannot live without. I don't know if it's the best resource for tech, but there's this website I think called One Million Women in STEM. Uh, we, Sonica and I, were both invited to submit our profiles, but I just love reading through the profiles of the women in STEM and just uh, like the diversity of it. Like when you know, because it was started because uh, there was this feedback about, oh, but we never get the stories and we never hear about the women in STEM and they don't exist or something like that. And the, the founder was just like, no, I will prove you. I will find a million women in STEM. And so I, I really just get a lot of inspiration from that. Yes, we'll definitely link that in our show notes. That seems amazing. Uh, I definitely want to read both of your profiles there. Uh, you guys are so inspiring. So, Sonica, tell me a woman in tech that inspires you. The one that I uh, always think of is person who uh, found the first computer bug. Uh, it's quite interesting. I, um, Grace Hopper. <laughs> So whenever I think about it, it, it just feels like, oh, the real bug, right? So that's how it was coined. So it's always very interesting to me. And, um, you know, um, uh, that's one. Um, and uh, for the book, um, it's not related to tech, but uh, one of my friends mentioned a few years ago about this book called Bullshit Jobs which talked about uh, meaningless jobs, <laughs> in which talks about what if, you know, tomorrow, whatever you're doing vanishes from the world, will it, make, will it matter or not? Um, so whenever I think about anything I do, it always feels like, oh, is, am I doing a bullshit job or am I doing something me meaningful? Uh, what was the next one? Podcast? Um, I think the, this, uh, I, I'm not saying just for the sake of it, but uh, uh, this podcast, um, uh, w Women in Tech spe specifically, I uh, got to know about this uh, from Clubhouse <laughs> during pandemic. So it was quite interesting. I, I uh, followed a few of, of the podcasts in Women in Tech. I'm so glad that you used to listen to Spree on Clubhouse. Um, she was one of the faces, one of the early faces in Clubhouse. Um, uh, I'll definitely connect you, both of you, because, um, yeah, she's awesome. She created this. Um, I used to listen to this podcast, too, back before, before going to GSB, before going to Silicon Valley, before all of that. This was one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and I'm so happy to be guest hosting for this. A best resource for tech. Some resource that you cannot live without. Uh, when I was coding Stack Overflow, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, other, uh, other that I can remember right now, when I was a student at least, uh, was uh, Code Project uh, was also quite, uh, uh, quite nice. And yeah, I think those are the two I would mention right now. Thank you so much, Tiffany, Sonica, for being here. How can 
the people and stay in touch and how our women tech community can do to support you and to elevate both of you. Well, thank you so much. It's been so much fun and such an honor to be here. Um, yeah, I, I, we would really love to connect further. And if anybody uh, has any Uh, related contacts or, or um, opportunities in terms of scaling our technology or interest in piloting somewhere. We're really uh, excited to talk about it. Um, and uh, we are looking to scale outside of Nepal. Uh, our first target is Indonesia, um, but we're also aware that our technology is, is uh, mostly geographically agnostic if we find the right partners. So uh, happy to talk about any other geography also. Well, Alloy, our company is on all of the, the different uh, websites and socials, and we're both also <laughs> on, on all of them. Uh, so please do reach out. Our website is alloy.global, and we're both on LinkedIn. Um, uh, you can find us through there. Perfect. Yeah. So you can both um, be, reach out. And right now, you have you, your fundraising round open, right? So for all the like investors that feel aligned with Alloy uh, story and uh, the solution that they're creating for this, this problem of microfinancing, this can be applied to multiple other um, locations, right? And so it's very, very interesting. So for investors to reach out, what would be the best way to over LinkedIn as well or over um, alloy.global. Yeah, LinkedIn or my email is tiffany at alloy.global. Um, so please do reach out. Uh, I'm uh, really excited to connect to like-minded investors. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, anything that our community can do to support you, uh, Sonica? The thing that we do is not very fancy. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's not really talked uh Uh, much about so I think spreading um, about our work in the com community would be great and uh, if um, anyone from the community uh, feels like they they can collaborate and as Tiffany said if they have any network um, that feels that our technology can be uh, used in some some other part of the world we are very much happy to talk more about that. Yeah, that sounds great. Especially, um, I think, yeah, it, not only in Asia, this could be replicated in other emerging markets, right? Like, I think that's very interesting as well. Okay, perfect. So thank you so much for being part of the Women in Tech podcast. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with me. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to Women in Tech BAP.com. That's womenintechbap.com. Say hello on social media on Women in Tech Show, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. I will see you in the next episode. I'm Tiffany Tong, co founder and CEO of Alloy. I'm from Hong Kong and Canada and currently based in Kathmandu, Nepal. You're listening to Women in Tech. Hi, I'm Sonika Manander, co founder and CTO of Alloy. I'm based in Nepal, and you are listening to Women in Tech. 
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.